Super Yacht Radio. Making you feel good all, all day, day long. long. And welcome to the crew mess. That was Sean Paul and Temperature, a very appropriate song for this morning because we are in Mallorca and the temperature is high and it's about to get a little bit higher. We have guests today from Sweden. We are joined by David and Lubov from Jade Wolf. Good morning to you both. Thank you for joining us here at Super Yacht Radio. Thank you for having us. We're, we appreciate it. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. And it's payback time because the last time we spoke, you were interviewing us, which was very And awkward. it was super fun. And like, we hope this time it's going to be fun again. So it's, it's kind of weird to be on the other end of the microphone, we found. Hopefully it's as uncomfortable for you as it was for us. <laughs> Particularly uncomfortable due to the fact that we're not used to going on live shows at all. All our podcasts being recorded are kind of like, you know, relaxed manner so this is something new for us for sure Definitely. well it will be both <laughs> so broadcast and podcast coming your way <laughs> what would like to start <laughs> two thumbs up two thumbs up <laughs> we'd like, like to start off with a little bit about uh, the two of you and what brought you to setting up jade wolf and then we'll talk about jade wolf and uh, what you do there so uh, david over to you Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, I guess I'm going to start. Um, so my background is a little bit strange. I originally uh, studied uh, Chinese in my bachelor's degree. Wow. So I do actually speak fluent Chinese and I lived in, in Shanghai at that time as well. Uh, after I was done with that, I kind of like realized, okay, you need to do something with business, David. You're not going to be a teacher. You're not going to work as a secret agent for the German <laughs> government. So you better come up with something. That's so right, I James started Bond. to go to Barcelona uh, and study fashion and luxury management there, which was my first kind of like entry into that world. And uh, from there, you know, it, it just became a thing that uh, digital marketing seemed like a nice area to go into and specialize in due to the fact that I was already uh, part-timing in advertising agencies while I was still studying. And uh, I got my first job after university in London. Uh, in the center of London in the media industry and since then you know I've, I've been a consultant I worked with fine arts I worked with uh, real estate uh, jewelry brands and all kinds of different luxury verticals and you know uh, then eventually the agency came along but before we get in before I tell like how we created the agency Luba can also say something about her background because uh, sure. so you are multilinguistic as well aren't you Luba yeah, yeah, we are, yeah. So my background is basically um, very similar to David's, only that instead of Chinese, I was studying Japanese. And I lived in Japan for one year and studied there in university. And afterwards, I also had the same feeling like I'm not really into all the academia, so I don't want to go and be a professor at university or anything like that. And I found a business school that was offering a course uh, on international business in Asia. So I thought it would be an interesting addition to my uh, education. And I went to Barcelona to the same business school as David. That's, that's how we met, basically. Mm -hmm. And yeah, after finishing my studies, I went working with some tech companies, also worked with more, you know, consumer-based companies like 
um, high-end furniture, interior design, and things like that. And We basically fell in love in Barcelona, and we realized that we have very similar interests and backgrounds, and we both kind of like, we're about to go into marketing. So eventually, fast forward a little bit from that, we got married, you know, we moved together, we traveled around, lived in different countries, uh, doing our consultant stuff, and eventually we decided, you know, uh, you know what, let's, let's just set up our own shop, um, let's just pull... Uh, her knowledge, my knowledge, her network, my network, the people we know, and kind of like, you know, set up an agency. And that's how Jade Wolf came about. We just wanted to do something which is luxury related because that's the kind of like audience consumer base that we enjoy the most marketing to due to the fact that it's very creative and, you know, very uh, elegant and things like that. And travel, it's just, like you said, because we speak a lot of different languages. We both lived in, we lived in Bangkok, Thailand. We lived in, in Berlin. We lived in Barcelona, in London, uh, Shanghai, Osaka. So we kind of like really traveled all around the block. We traveled to even more countries uh, than the, the ones I just mentioned. So travel is something that we're really passionate about. And we kind of looked at like, okay, what are the most important uh, verticals in luxury travel? And we basically identified, okay, travel agencies, hospitality, yachting, obviously, and aviation as the things that kind of like go together. And, you know, that's the idea behind Jade Wolf. Okay. It's an unusual marriage because traditionally Chinese and Japanese don't get on. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, trust yeah. me, we learned a lot about that in, in our history classes. So um, there's, For sure. you can uh, tell long stories about that. Yeah. But interesting as well, because, you know, particularly in the super yacht world, the topic of Asia and where that market is growing to is a very big topic in our industry to have an understanding not just of the languages but of the culture and how they work is I would think a, a very helpful tool going forward and where this industry seems to be going. Yeah, it is. And I would also say that it's not only super yachting industry, it's also I think the same in private aviation and hospitality. Everywhere, basically. Um, every luxury vertical, just, just to the fact that if you just take, Japan always had a big luxury consumption audience, you know, people going to Hawaii, uh, shopping there, or like going back to Japan and um, China, especially, you have more millionaires and billionaires being created there than anywhere else in the world at mm -hmm. such a fast pace and, and rate that it's it's quite astonishing. So. Yeah, we actually uh, spoke with somebody well, some time ago. I can't remember quite who it was. And they'd sold a boat to a one of the new Chinese billionaires. And mm. um, about six or eight months later, they went back to the boat just to do a checkup and see how things were going. And he said, literally, the seat covers were still on... On, on the boat because the billionaire <laughs> wh while he was a billionaire he just didn't have time to enjoy uh, his toy not even a seafair trial nothing <laughs> basically he'd, he'd come down he'd spend a few hours on it have a drink and then he'd have to go back to work okay <laughs> but Chinese Chinese people are very hard working very. you gotta give them that I mean I rarely met hard, more hard working people than, than industrial entrepreneurial Chinese they, mm. they really you know, love to make money and they're very, uh, you know, keen about opportunities coming their way. Mm. So uh, we, I personally enjoy working with them a lot. So. Yeah, I, I had one occasion when I was working with some and I uh, must say it was very memorable. I really enjoyed it. So Jade Wolf, one of the things um, on your website and that you have is that you are data driven. Can you kind of explain to us how you focus in for your clients of yeah, sure, those building I mean, blocks? Uh, when, 
Absolutely. Uh, when people talk about marketing agencies, you know, usually um, they have multitude of things in their mind. Like, right, there's uh, web design, there's uh, social media, there's, you know, um, there's all kinds of stuff. Digital marketing is a very wide field and, and it has grown to like encompass a lot of different kind of channels and, and things you can do. And if you add the kind of whole kind of luxury uh, methodology to it, the, the segmentation, the psychology, it becomes even more different. So what we try to do with Jade Wolf is what we call a data-driven approach, which means that instead of focusing on what is very traditionally known as luxury marketing, the Formula One sponsorship, the golf tournament, the celebrity ambassador, the, um, the maybe like the editorial in a print magazine, we try to be more data-driven in the sense that we try to do things online that produce immediate results, right, uh, if you can call that. Uh, we try to like collect data that the clients have in their company, be it sales data, you know, financial data, data about their products, their markets, their consumers. And we try to combine that with uh, publicly available data, you know, about what the industry is like, or benchmarks, what is happening, uh, how you should do certain things, and combine that again with the psychology of, for example, somebody who would buy a yacht from a certain shipyard or from a certain manufacturer brand and try to build mechanisms or funnels for our clients with that data that produce warm qualified leads that in the case of hospitality produce warm bookings for expensive suites or uh, luxury vacation rentals and then analyze again also the campaign data that comes with that and you know try to generate insights for our clients and how they can improve over time and become better and create, if you want to say, like a perpetual machine that just generates business for them, fills up their pipeline for their sales team and just helps them to promote their business versus just creating something pretty, splashing it somewhere and then just forgetting about it, right? So we're the opposite of that. It sounds very bespoke that with each client, you you, you don't have a template. You have to basically de design, yeah. design per yeah. individual. Absolutely. Um, you're absolutely right, Dave. Um, and a, a big part of that is usually having somewhat of a strategy phase in the beginning. A lot of agencies, when they try to sell something to businesses, they, they do what is called like an RFP or a 100-page kind of novel that they send over to people completely blindly, or we're going to do all these great things. But that rarely includes the stuff that the client really needs, and that rarely includes what you know is uh, appropriate for the market. And we like to have a strategy phase where, like, for two weeks or so, we interview the sales staff, we interview the owners, everybody who's customer facing. We collect all the data, analyze their data, analyze their data, profile the type of ideal consumer that they want to reach, right? Because in luxury, there is no such thing as just you know, oh, that's a rich person. There's multiple tiers, right? There's somebody who has maybe just six figures or a million or something in liquid assets. Then there's millionaires multi-millionaires all the way up to ultra high net worth individuals with 25 million plus in, in net worth which is usually what uh, you know uh, brands like Borges Yachts and Princess Yachts those did go after those kind of people in, in super yacht very different and it's very bespoke and it takes uh, some time and takes some effort and uh, but it allows us to bring in our expertise our experience with profiling these people and identifying also you know how they move around the internet and how they get their inspiration right do they use apps? Are they very traditional? Do they go for magazines? Is there certain websites that they kind of like frequent? Is there certain geographical things? If it's a person in China, right, they will go on uh, WeChat and they will use those apps that are very popular there. They will use Chinese search engines, not necessarily 
Google, you know, and it's and it's an intricate process, and that's really where we can shine, I think, and and are different from like lots of the mainstream agencies that sell ketchup, sell technology, sell cars, sell insurance, and then they say, oh yeah, now we can also sell your luxury travel product, which is obviously bogus, which as you can imagine. So. To be honest, we don't really believe in templated kind of like cookie cutter solutions because. In my opinion, there is no such thing as a template that will work for everybody because, mm. as David said, people shop differently, uh, people have different behaviors, and you know, for different companies, there will be different target audience. So, as, especially now that we're seeing a generational shift uh, with more mature baby boomers slowly leaving the market, you know, and more Generation X and millennials becoming more important, uh, you have a lot of uh, millennial kind of like tech billionaires from Silicon Valley. And those people also, you know, want their own private jet, maybe their own uh, own vessel, their own super yacht at some point. And, you know, those people have just come up with different cultural backgrounds with different kind of experiences. And accounting for that is really important. And you cannot market your luxury services forever the same way you did it for the last 10, 20 years, if that makes sense. You do, do, you find, do, do you find, I mean... Th- in the analysis process, in speaking with the the customer-facing uh, people, the salespeople in the, the organizations you deal with, do you find that you go back to those companies and make recommendations on how they change their processes and their strategy in dealing with clients in opposed to just designing a marketing strategy? Because it, it sounds to me like in that analysis, you may see things that they're doing wrong and they need to change with, within their own house in order to make this, the, the marketing more effective. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, mark, the role of marketing when it comes to luxury <laughs> travel is obviously to generate qualified, warm leads, right? The right profiles, the right people who have the means, who have the fluency, who have the buying intent, which is really important, not just people who are dabbling or maybe thinking about in five years doing a charter or something like that. So that's already a really difficult part. Uh, and I don't want to like uh, understate that that's like the core of what we try to do. But obviously, if we talk to salespeople, we are usually treading a fine line because obviously salespeople know the market, they know their consumers, they have been developing these relationships for years, decades sometimes, and they have certain opinions on what works and what doesn't work. So we want to take all the different opinions in, but obviously to the client, we would, for example, recommend that if they want to venture into a new geography, for example, right, in, into a new segment, maybe they want people who are a little bit younger. And we would say, okay, your salespeople, maybe once they get the leads and they start the follow-up process and they want to like, you know, get deals going and opportunities going, maybe they should do a little bit more social selling. Maybe they should use technology a little bit more. Now with Corona, you know, are they really comfortable selling through video, through conference tools? Are they using kind of like calendar tools? Are they using tools to present materials the right way? Uh, so there's a certain part of consulting on that on that end as well, yes. Out of curiosity, and you know, with the research and work you've been doing, particularly for this younger generation who are coming up, that, you know, we've talked about certainly in the super yacht industry, you know, this next generation coming in. Are there certain mediums that they are using more than the generation before? I mean, you know, for the general population, we think of social media and traditional magazines and stuff like that. Are they using the same tools or do they have their own kind of luxury 
tools that they tend to go to more? Do you see kind of variations of how to reach them digitally? Well, uh, in my opinion, the younger generations are more online compared to maybe the previous generations. They're more digital in that sense. As you said, there are a lot of, uh, well, maybe not as much, but there are quite few membership sites which are invite only. There are also a lot of uh, platforms uh, like marketplaces for, in case of yachting, marketplaces for yachts and things like that. So uh, you can definitely reach people there. Yeah, I would in general say like the things you mentioned, Maeve, are all still relevant, uh, even amongst millennials, because uh, a millennial who's getting into super yachting, they're also going to pick up an issue of Boat International, right? Because it's just like a really big magazine that's been around for a long time, and they just have all these market connectors in their audience. But uh, it's a little bit where the difference, in my opinion, is, and Luba mentioned that already a little bit, it's they're just more digital. So versus a person might have that is older might have a print subscription, right? And read Bold International when they're having their morning coffee, sitting at the table. The millennial might be, you know, just looking on their tablet and they might browse only the digital version. They might get, check, have a bunch of newsletters that they subscribe to, that they check every day. They might have bloggers, they might have uh, content creators, influencers that they follow in the space. Uh, they might be using apps, uh, you know, that allow some kind of like more direct booking approach to getting a charter, for example. In aviation, you can see that quite a lot. There's a lot of aviation companies who have released their own apps, and, and they will be much more willing to trust and, and go for something like an online marketplace for exotic cars, for yachts, for, for, for used jets, the whole broker world. And you know, it's, it's more about where they get the inspiration from, where they get the initial purchase driver from, how they do discover brands. That process with them is way more digital and, and, and where the old media is kind of still here, the millennials are, you know, on the left side, yeah, going straight into the digital world. Well, and I think that's an interesting question going forward because, you know, a, a lot of print magazines have been somewhat limited because of COVID and because of lockdown. This may continue to be an issue over the next sort of 12 to 18 months. So, you know, it would be interesting, I think, to see if there is a further push into the digital world because that can reach everyone all the time, where, you know, traditional print is, is I think, going to hit, a, as we have seen with, you know, big publications in the UK and the US, moving on to digital may become uh, even more pertinent in the next year. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And uh, since, you know, in our data-driven direct marketing approach at Jade Wolf, media buying is a big component of our funnels because obviously we need to drive traffic and get those clicks to the website, to the landing pages of our clients to generate those leads and generate those bookings. We're very uh, keen and aware of what is happening in that space. One thing I would agree with you on that development, that print is definitely losing its relevancy with younger demographics for sure. I mean, the very old demographics, they still love their print magazine. They love their like quarterly luxury catalog or things like that. They just love the haptic feeling of having it in their hands. And it is a nice thing. Oh, I agree with myself. A nice, high glossy magazine, as bad as it might be for the environment, and as many trees had to die for it, like it's still a nice, a nice piece of thing to have on your coffee table or, you know, in your office uh, when you want to have a little read for 10 minutes here and there. But... There's also the, the factor of technology, right? When we're talking about media buying or 
generating you know awareness or, or clicks or leads in, in the luxury travel industry we see three different uh, distinct forces uh, controlling the future the number one would be the tech companies that's all your Google's, your search engines, your Bing's, and all your Baidu in China, your Yandex in Russia, companies that own the social media networks, you know, all that stuff. And, you know, also programmatic platforms. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into detail about programmatic is, but basically it's kind of like an online auction where magazines can upload, okay, here you can have this ad slot for this amount of time if you bid that much money. And, you know, that's also related a lot to what, how do you advertise on mobile phones, on smartphones. These kind of like tech companies are one pillar of the future in our, in our opinion. And the second pillar would be the publishers itself, right? The, the Boat International, the Super Yacht Times, you know, all the yachting magazines, uh, you know, the, the ones that are historically already in the market for for decades, they have their audience, their network, they're already partially digital. You know, they're trying to amp it up with webinars now. You can see it like that due to the fact that their events are has have just gone away due to COVID. Everybody's doing webinar series, some better, some worse. And the third pillar would be uh, the content creators, right? People like you, uh, Maeve and Dave, people who have podcasts, people who have radio shows, people who have video, who are vlogging, who are blogging about the industry, you know, be it from a B2C or B2B type of perspective. That, you know, those three pillars are going to define basically how in the future of digital marketing for luxury, how you can get media and how you can get traffic and clicks and all those things. So you are sort of, and this is sort of curiosity as well, because we obviously have been focused on the super yacht and the yachting market, but you expand to not just yachting, but also hospitality, aviation and travel. I can only presume and luxury brands, and, and luxury brands. But over the past sort of six months, from what we can see, I would have thought hospitality, in particular, and travel have been severely curtailed. But aviation and private aviation possibly is actually well, that's increased. They've got increased and and doing better. Have mm. you seen very clear fluctuations in those different markets? I would say so. Yeah. Because uh, in hospitality, for example, uh, as you said, it's taken a big blow, maybe more than super yachting or private aviation. And we see a lot of hotels being shut down. And I think, unfortunately, they're not going to open up some of them. There are still quite a few developments going on for uh, you know new properties, but it's, of course, not as much as in previous years. There are a lot of safety regulations going on there. Also, similarly to hospitality and private aviation, you can also see a lot of safety regulations. A lot of companies are paying a lot of attention on how they can ensure that people who fly with them are all safe, everything is clean. But it's not, of course, as bad as in hospitality. And private aviation, from what we've seen, uh, especially charters, they are booming right now because, uh, as you can imagine, people don't want to fly commercial. People don't want to fly even first class or business class, they would prefer to, you know, go on private or business charter. And um, those membership subscription companies, they they are having like a really good time because people are buying even more hours than they were buying before. Flight hours. Flight like hours, flight yeah. Hours. For example, if a person was buying 50 flight hours in previous years, this year they're going to to buy 75 hours, so maybe even 100 hours, just to ensure that 
when they need to fly, they, they have that ability. Yes, and yeah. one uh, other trend that we can see, which is directly affecting actually the, the yachting industry, um, is like that uh, the whole travel experience, right, for, for, for vacation in itself is molding together more than ever before. Imagine the following scenario, like somebody, a high net worth individual wants, you know, to book a nice summer vacation for themselves and their family. So they reach out to their trusted luxury travel agent or travel agency. And now that travel agency is reaching out to a private aviation charter who needs to organize kind of like the transit from the country of the traveler to the country where they can, you know, go on board for the charter, right? And then there needs to be a limousine service in between, you know, that's clean and disinfected and all that stuff. And then for the charter, the crew needs to be in self-isolation for a while. Uh, so when the, when the guests arrive, they're safe. And then once, you know, the charter's over, they kind of like need to go back probably also with a private aviation charter. This, uh, uh, this proves some challenges for the yacht charter industry because the costs of, you know, chartering uh, a jet to fly your family out and then fly your family back sometimes exceeds the costs of the whole yacht charter uh, because there is a certain cost difference there in, in those two industries. And this is something that is uh, difficult because then you all of a sudden need to market and sell to a type of prospect, a type of uh, customer that can afford this whole chain of, of, of services, right? Versus normally you, maybe you would get a person who would fly first class commercial and then just normally walk onto, you know, like on the marina and get on a boat and everything is jolly. Uh, but now you have this additional pressure, right, to sell to a higher wealth segment because a lot of people won't be able to, or not be able to afford it, but they won't necessarily easily go for this whole expensive kind of like isolated style of traveling. Yeah, we actually spoke with a yacht, not an agent, Timmy Blee. The yacht services company and that that is their emphasis that's their emphasis on on marketing which is health and hygiene and safety first and so they're demonstrating to their potential clients that the when the the private plane comes in here's a limousine we in front of the clients we put on fresh seat covers uh, we sterilize the car we make sure everything's wiped down and then we create a a safety corridor to their mm -hmm. yacht, That's right, yeah. which has been in in, uh, in in a quarantine situation for the previous two weeks, so that we can ensure and and that message throughout the industry is resonating of health and, and safety first, product and services. That's the second message that they want to get out, and um, and just going back to what you were saying about the the shift in vacations in the industry. Ironically, I mean, bearing in mind that not only do we have the, the pandemic to, that we're dealing with, but uh, also on the back of that, the, the financial crash in the markets. Uh, let's not forget about that one. Uh, last week we spoke with, uh, no, the week before last, we spoke with one of the major uh, brokerage houses. And they were saying that they, they, they don't have enough yachts to sell. The, this is Denison based in the US, but you know yeah. that the... The charter and the brokerage well, is very buoyant even for from them. The, the smaller the yachts US. up, you know, from, from the 15, 20 meters all the way up to the larger yachts, uh, there's almost panic buying in that billionaires and, and people who can afford them are looking at these as the future of safe, isolated holidays. And I also read an, an article about private islands. There are companies that 
sort out private islands for people. I've yet to have calls to phone them. But they're also seeing um, a boom in requests for people looking to buy their own island and ensure the safety. So the, the whole landscape has changed very dramatically in the, in the course of, what, three or four months? Which yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And we can see it exactly what you just mentioned, Dave, in, in the hospitality sector and luxury hospitality. Like the hotels are getting less love than the resorts. And the more remote the resort or the, the, the vacation rental, mm -hmm. the villa, the better, right? Islands, somewhere, Bahamas, somewhere far away uh, from population centers. That's where people still feel safe. And uh, it's a little bit sad, though, because when people charter a yacht right now, due to it's still like a puzzle, right? Because the visa regulations, which nationalities can travel where and where can you go on land, where not? And, uh, you know, which marinas can you go to and which not? And sometimes it will be basically, okay, we're chartering this great vessel, this great boat, and we have to stay on it basically for two weeks. And the crew has to entertain us with a private cinema or some bowling alley or something like that. And it diminishes a little bit the experience of like this trip through the Mediterranean, or this trip through the you know Caribbean, and it makes it a little bit less fun, which is sad. And, and we hope personally that this this will change again, uh, at least next year once the regulations are more freed up again, and maybe there's a vaccine. But there's definitely you know certain forces changing you know the the consumer preferences right now, and um, it's it's not clear for now how long that will be the case like when people will want to like do a you know a city trip again to to new york to the center of new york because nobody wants to go to new york right now so it's like yeah, it's a it's an interesting uh, environment i mean in, in in our sense like we we embrace that the digital stuff is becoming more important that's something we've been preaching for a while um in in yachting we talked about it when you guys were on the podcast the boat shows have gone yeah. away. Sadly, Monaco Boat Show has been just cancelled, uh, even though there was a little bit of hope that it would still be happening for a little while there. And uh, it's the same in, in aviation. It's the same in, uh, in, in travel. It's the same in hospitality. So people need to come up with ways on not to relying purely on this kind of like face-to-face -face interaction to sell and generate leads and, you know, get in touch with what's happening in the industry. They need to embrace technology and, 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 and remote communication and, and, and digital channels more because who knows if the, all these shows are coming back, you know, and we hope that next year they will be back, the major ones at least, uh, but what about some of the smaller ones, right? Will there be consolidation and will the industry be permanently changed? It, mm. It's hard to say right now. With a traditional marketing lead generating company that is focused on, let's say, the, the general public that's i would imagine not such a difficult nut to crack because you can you can reach them through all the different platforms and mediums and i'm talking here completely out of ignorance but the the target audience that you're looking at for your clientele are the ultra high net worth individuals which are an extremely difficult group to get in front of how do you strategize indeed, that indeed. okay so um, that is just more about now we're getting a little bit more into the general methodology of, of luxury marketing and how it differs from mainstream marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the simple example I like to use, which often explains it quite well, is like in, in mainstream marketing, when you're talking to like the, the normal mass market, uh, people want uh, the most utility for the lowest price, right? Then if you move a little bit up, you get into the premium segment, people want more value for more money, 
right? I, I want a car that is like fast, has a lot of seats, is very safe, and I'm willing to pay more for that. Once you move beyond that into luxury, the realm where we all are kind of like operating in, the price goes away completely. What that means is it's still maybe a little bit in the back of the mind of, of the consumer, but what counts is the pleasure, the fantasy, what the people experience. call the luxury dream. Mm -hmm. uh, it's wish fulfillment. It's self-realization through consumption. It is if somebody buys a boat or wants to commission a boat from a big manufacturer, he will spend a lot of time working with interior, exterior designers, a naval architect, with a broker, visiting the shipyard, visiting the, the brand, the manufacturer, learning to get to know the people. And it's a project that takes three to five years of ongoing meetings and ongoing design sessions and things like that. And that's like a, that's a pleasure process. That's pleasurable for people. They want the yacht to fit them perfectly and to be their own unique manifestation of their desires and of their fantasy, right? And that's how you have to sell uh, the whole idea to them. It cannot be, oh, we produce the yacht for the cheapest amount of money, or we produce it the fastest, or this yacht is very safe because of this and that. No, no. It has to be about the fantasy, about the wish fulfillment. And it's the same thing, not only in yachting, but also in aviation. Uh, in aviation, sometimes, especially in business aviation, it's a little bit more about the utility. If you're the CEO of a big company, you know, you want to be able to travel between the major spots of your company. If you're in private aviation, you know, you might want to have like just more access to, you know, travel around with your family quickly. Um, but it's still about the experience. It still could be about things like status, like freedom, you know, abundance, power. The emotional component of luxury marketing is so crucial. And that's what, you know, where most marketers that come from these kind of like FMCG, mass market, or even from the premium segment, they get it wrong because they make it about price, they make it about value, and that's just the wrong approach. You need to make it about the fantasy. And then there's in execution that means often a certain language that you need to use in your copywriting, a certain type of design for your aesthetics, how your website should look, how your photography, your video should look, um, the things that you emphasize, right? The, the emotions that you try to trigger, the type of storytelling that you use. And just because we do data-driven marketing, we build funnels, doesn't mean that we don't use those things. <laughs> we actually have to use those things yeah. because otherwise, you know, the, the lead generation won't work or it will produce the wrong type of people and all those things. Yeah. And that's just, you know, a small part of what, what makes luxury marketing very different from, from the mainstream. So yeah. I, I hope that that answers it. Well, one of the interesting comments we had with one of our regular guests Pippa Nicholas, she does VSAT communications for super yachts, among other things. But she's been in the industry a very long time. And she said, you know, in the past sort of three months, she has had more opportunity with Zoom to have face-to-face -face meetings with the owners than possibly, you know, in all her preceding years. So I think it's an interesting development with the lack of travel, whether, you know, whether we will shift to actually going, you know what, I don't need to actually go to Monaco to meet the owner. Perhaps we can schedule in in that half hour of their busy time that we can have a face to face meeting over Zoom, which is something five years ago, certainly we wouldn't have considered or even possibly two years ago. I think that development of now getting used to digital face-to-face -face meetings may also change the platform of how we 
talk to the end client as well. Would you agree? Definitely. Yeah. And it also makes it easier, I think, because as you just said, it's just uh, people basically are stuck at home and they, they cannot travel or the travel is very limited. So there's it frees up a certain amount of time. And it's also way easier to connect with people if you're in like, you know, two different locations and two different ends of the world. You still can easily connect with them via Zoom or Skype or whichever technology you prefer. Absolutely. And I would say the whole process, right, uh, of, you know, if you look at the bias journey, how we like to call it, uh, you know, from the moment the person discovers the brand, comes up with the wish, with the desire to, to buy something and, you know, all the way until like, they transfer the money into escrow and sign the contract. Um, if you take, uh, you know, buying a yacht, again, as an example, like uh, the brokerage market, the, the secondhand market for the yacht industry. Um, in, the, in the past, you know, it was all like, okay, I see at the boat shows, you know, there's some nice vessels and then I maybe like exchange cards or like get the information of a person. And then eventually, you know, you call and you meet and all that stuff and you inspect the boat and you do seafare trials and you take your time and all that stuff. Now, a lot of that on the front end will have to happen digitally, that initial discovery, right? That what we, the lead generation part of it, basically. But then once it gets into kind of like, okay, now do I really want this boat? I'm looking at like three, four different boats. Uh, maybe I can use video, maybe I can use uh, virtual reality. And, and brands are already using that partially to just show off the boat and not necessarily to make my final decision, but I can eliminate this boat. This boat doesn't fit me, right? Or I can say, oh, this boat is very interesting. From this video tour, I can see that it's probably worth uh, organizing a seafair tour, organizing a personal inspection with my broker or something like that. And so the process is already partially more digital. And I think that's a good thing because who the, who the hell has time to visit five boats, do five seafair trials and to go everywhere in person, especially now with COVID when travel visas and restrictions are very strict. And you know, it, it's, it's the hassle to organize like a small in-person event uh, for a boat inspection. So um, I think that's basically the process we're looking at right now for the foreseeable future and potentially forever. And it's, it, it's maybe a good thing, you know, for, for people who want to buy, for people who want to sell, to use video, virtual reality, the technology to, even in the middle of the process, to showcase the service, the product uh, better and, you know, save time for everybody and make the, the, the whole life easier. It's not necessarily that the physical of inspecting the boat and really touching it and laying down and having a cigar or whatever will go away. It will never go away. But uh, the lead up to it and the facilitation of everything will, will be enhanced by technology. I, yeah, think I think you make a very good point there because uh, Dennis and Yachts were actually one of the first to uh, adopt that kind of strategy in doing a, a virtual yacht show. And also they're doing virtual tours as well for prospective clients. The other mm -hmm. change we've seen is, and I noticed this with, with Amels, and I know Ferrati also discussed whether they would would move from the more traditional big, big boat show to a much more VIP invitation only small affair. Here's, you know, our 12 super yachts on, on view and have it a much more intimate affair just client to shipyard so to speak which would be an interesting you know side or lateral move from the more traditional 
bigger open boat show. And with a brand like Ferretti, you know, they'd be looking at taking out, say, a marina, uh, where they, they carry several brands from Riva through, I, I can't remember the amount of brands they have. They've got a lot of brands. And you fly in their, their prospective clients and have a very small, intimate, but high-quality show with, with quality leads. Uh, and, I, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that I think COVID has brought home is it's, I liken it to a hamster on a wheel where it's so easy just to keep doing what you've been doing because you've been doing it. And COVID, I think, has made many industries, especially the super yacht one, to stop and think, okay, how do we do things differently? And are, have we been doing it the correct way for all these years? And, and start looking at technology as uh, not just a a marketing platform but also a way to engage with the clients to show their products and to you know push that cycle of sales deeper going into the future and i think it's a good thing actually i think it's a very positive thing we we think the same i think that is like one of our main motivations well you know we work on our agency project and we've been trying to build uh, up awareness for that there's a whole set of tools and and things and methods you can use with, that are data related, that are measurable, that are you know more transparent. Because if I don't know if, how it is like as a marketer in the past, you maybe talk to a magazine, you pay twenty thousand, thirty thousand, fifty thousand dollars for a couple pages, maybe some articles, editorials. You produce a nice photo shoot, and you put that up there, out there, and then <laughs> you hope the phone is going to ring, right? You hope somebody's going to call you. Yeah, and, and it's just, you know, it, it is it is still valuable and it is still important to do that um, in a brand marketing fashion for the long-term health of your company and of your brand. But it's also important to devote a certain percentage of your resources to drive immediate action that is based on data, that is based on actionable results, because that's what technology allows us to do. And it's not just, you know, oh, you know, uh, wealthy people are not you know, online or something like that. We, we heard the most crazy, crazy kind of like things when we talk to smaller SMB companies, charters and things like that. So you cannot imagine like, oh, our customers are not online. Our customers are not using email or social media. And even though there is a certain element where, especially in the older demographics, people will have a certain bubble around them of personal assistants, secretaries, you know, people mm -hmm. that facilitate a lot of their daily life for them. And you might have to go through these gatekeepers to reach these people. That's also changing, you know, because technology for these people also makes it possible to have all the information on their tablet, have it on their phone, have it accessible. They don't need necessarily like so much help from their like team to get stuff in front of them that is relevant. Right. And that's where marketers like us have the opportunity to drive awareness and, and leads for our clients, because if we intercept that moment, capture that moment, then we can win, you know, and, and generate the type of profiles that, that, are, that the brands need. So, uh, and that's a big opportunity that I think is still heavily underutilized in super yachting, in aviation, across luxury in general. I think that's also, when you said transparency, I mean, I, I think that's becoming a bigger topic. That you may have a, a beautiful spread in a magazine, but you cannot measure whether actually somebody ever reads the article which is the That's benefit right. of digital you know we, we can as a radio station we can see who's tuning in from where and how long they tune in for it it's a measurable statistic people look at pictures they don't read stuff exactly anymore. we're kind of heading towards the top of the hour and uh, and i just wanted to shift focus slightly if i may because we, we've been 
really looking at, you know, besides what Jade Wolf do, the the impact of COVID uh, on on our our industries, and we kind of we touched on the financial crisis that we're going through as well. But if you throw your mind back to the good old days when we just had one global crisis to deal with, which was the climate crisis, how has that changed your landscape? And and is that still you know, in people's minds when it comes to the sustainability? And, and I say this in, in, within mind, there's a, a particular book that goes is distributed to loads of yachts in the industry. And there was a social media... Um, uh, kind of kickback people saying well you know we're going through a climate crisis do you really think that you should be distributing this paper book to all these different people surely you should go digital to save the planet how has that affected your strategies and, and your client strategies that's a good question us personally you know for jade wolf um we always thought that sustainability is, is something as a narrative and as a theme that we should push with all our clients if, if they're open for it, right? If they're receptive for it. Because I would agree with the people that say, okay, do we really need all these printy, glossy, high-end things? Do we need them in such large publication numbers? Do we, cannot we do things online? Isn't it enough that, you know, building yachts and, you know, the, the diesel, the, the gasoline, uh, it, the CO2 output, you know, can we not, you know, reward companies in the supply chain in the yachting industry that are, you know, trying to be more ecological aware and try to be more sustainable and, you know, just work towards a future where we're not having such a heavy impact on our oceans, on our climate. And uh, sometimes brands don't want to hear it because they say, okay, we have, we have our, our pipeline has collapsed. We have half of the business right now. We, we need to capture enough of the season as much as we can. And then let's talk about it at some other point, you know, how we can do something there. And and I think we, the industry in general and luxury especially has a responsibility because if you want to provide the best of the best, the best experiences, the, the most wish fulfillment, the most custom, the most personalized uh, service or product that you can find, then you also should, you know, do it in a way that doesn't destroy the environment, doesn't hurt the planet, um, allows future generations, your children, to enjoy uh, the planet. And especially for millennials like us, that's just something that's that's just dear to our heart because we, uh, you know, um, if you think about it, environmental protection is a very young thing. It's like been around since the 70s. And due to that, I understand that in the mind of a lot of like, especially older uh, people. And that was my era, so be careful what you say there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, guys are, you guys are obviously like very, very smart, but it is a thing that, you know, uh, that for, we grew up with it. That's just all I want to say. So our generation, millennials, we grew up with it. And for us, you know, it's definitely going to make a difference in the future, you know, how we make our purchasing decisions, how we engage with brands. Are they sustainable? Are they doing something to offset their CO2 energy costs? Are they trying to avoid unnecessary paper uh, where they can. And as we see that generational shift becoming more and more important in the next five to 10 years, um, you will see the importance of brands really doing something instead of just paying lip service uh, will be more and more important as well. And we definitely try to incorporate themes of sustainability, eco-luxury, offsetting your, your cost of energy into our marketing and uh, pushing our clients to kind of like 
devote a little bit of money to that so so they can show that they're part of uh, of the solution not necessarily you know maintaining the status quo also from from the standpoint of travelers of course there is pandemic right now and people are more concerned about their safety about hygiene about all those regulations but it doesn't mean that all um you know caring for environment all those issues are completely gone because the pandemic will go down at some point it will be more like a new norm as people like to say it will be manageable it will be manageable <laughs> and, and environmental issues will be still there so yes people will still care about it yeah it won't go away people the the, the, the financial pressure obviously creates like a divergence in attention towards more your, your your metrics you know your quarterly goals your sales goals uh, but the underlying theme in the background that you know certain advancements need to be made with technology and how we you know market ourselves that it's definitely uh, not going away well david and lubov it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you it's, it's, it's nice to be back on the correct side of the microphone as well for us <laughs> <laughs> it was our pleasure it's like a very interesting experience uh, well i hope you've enjoyed it i know we have if if somebody wants to get in touch with you how best to do that the best way is probably our website www.jadewolfmarketing as one word dot com we have like again a podcast you guys were on it Mm-hmm. Uh, we have blog posts, we have uh, guides that you can download. Um, people can fill out a form and we're going to call them back and, and chat about what, what they need. And Or just reach out on social media. We also have all our links to our social media channels there. So. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Twitter, on Instagram. Probably the most active on LinkedIn, so you can also find us there. Okay, and if, uh, if our listeners don't have a pen to hand and didn't jot all that down, of course you can drop us a line here at superyachtradio.com and we will put you in touch with uh, David and Lubov at Jade Wolf Marketing. Guys, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed the chat. I, I think we could keep on going for a few more hours. There's a, a lot there to learn. And uh, I wish you all the best. Please stay in touch, as, as I know we will. And have a great day. Stay safe. Yeah, two guys. Thank you lots so much. Love, lots of love. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Pleasure. Super Yacht Radio. Making you feel good all, all day, day long. long.